Hello authors, I'm Joanne Morell, children's and young adult fiction writer and author of Short Nonfiction for Authors. Thanks for joining me for the Hybrid Author Podcast, sharing interviews from industry professionals to help you forge a career as a hybrid author, both independently and traditionally publishing your books. You can get the show notes for each episode and sign up for your free author pass over at the Hybrid Author website to discover your writing process, get tips on how to publish productively and get comfortable promoting your books at www.hybridauthor.com.au. Let's crack on with the episode. Hello, authors. I hope you're all keeping well in whatever part of the world you reside and listen to the podcast in. Today's episode is with hybrid author Stephen Herrick, who self-publishes cycling travel books for adults and is traditionally represented for his children's and young adult fiction. Stephen chats about experimenting going hybrid, exploring the process of being a self-published author, and shares his tips for authors looking to go hybrid. So in my author adventure this week, it's been short and sweet, as you know, if you listen to the podcast regularly. I'm not writing, but I am formatting, and I'm on the verge of publishing my two short non-fiction books, Freelance Writing Quick Tips for Fast Success and Author Fears and How to Overcome Them into ebook, print and audiobook formats. I have extremely minor tweaks to make across each product and then I'll be able to release them out into the world and I'll be so glad once they have gone. <laughs> it's been a long author adventure with these two books that have been going on since 2020 and I'll be doing a podcast episode in the, the new year, probably in January, about that. Uh, about my experience here because yeah <laughs> it's it's been a long one but a good one you know I held my print book uh, I've got a few of these print books uh, for the freelance writing one just for various sizes and all sorts of things that has gone wrong with it and you know I did feel a sense of pride and accomplishment when I was kind of flicking through the pages and just had a thought you know which for all the author fears that arose from independently publishing like self-publishing my own work you know I thought came up just to say what if this little book, which is intended for anybody starting out in a freelance writing business or a freelance startup, mainly aimed at, I guess, writing students? Imagine this little book and the quick tips that are in it actually help someone's business thrive or helps them go forward. What if someone loves it and it really, really makes a difference? And that made me really smile because for the first time I feel like my mindset has shifted to see the benefits of my work. It has taken a long time and maybe it's because, maybe it has taken a long time because I needed to get in the right frame of mind. Maybe I've been self-sabotaging these last few years. I have no idea, but all I know is I'm gonna feel super proud once they do go out there. And then once they do, I can add on the books page to my new website and which will be, you know, have a shop included in it and I'll be able to start selling direct through it. So that's very exciting. So I'll keep you posted here. In the fiction side of things, I haven't had any word yet from the ASA speed dating pitch I did a, probably a, three months ago. My junior fiction first in series has been with the publisher for around three months now and that's, yeah, that's coming up to the time limit I think that they get. So hopefully no news is good news and I'll, I'll get a response from them soon and maybe they're busy working out a fabulous contract for me. <laughs> or they've either forgotten and uh, not even read it at all. <laughs> which I don't think will be the case, but fingers crossed still. 
So I'm currently working in my author business as the administration person. I am bringing all aspects of it up to speed, to be current, to work together with systems that work for me so I can get ahead next year going forward rather than running behind. So that just means having my website organized, all podcast stuff across the internet up to date, have systems in place that you know, if someone contacts me, they're getting responded to straight away, just all working together to work well. So I'd love to hear from you in regards to your author adventure. Does this time of year speed up or slow down in your author business? It's interesting, I'd be interested to know. Usually for me, it's just crazy. So do people start winding down or do they speed up? Yeah, let me know. You can email me via my website or please connect with me on social media. All information can be found on how to contact me on the contact page or uh, at my website, www.hybridauthor.com.au. So if you love the podcast or any of the episodes has helped you further in your author career, you can now pay it forward by buying me a coffee over at www.buymeacoffee.com slash the hybrid author. Or you can leave me a review on whatever platform you listen to the podcast on to help other writers like you discover the podcast. Let's all support each other. Stephen Herrick is the author of 26 books for children and young adults and 10 cycling travel ebooks. His books have won the WA Premier's Literary Awards, twice won the New South Wales Premier Literary Awards, and been shortlisted for the Children's Book Council Book of the Year Award on 10 occasions. He's also won the prestigious German Youth Literature Award for his verse novel, By the River, in translation. His cycling travel ebooks are about his long distance bike journeys across Europe and in Asia. Wow! Welcome to the Hybrid Author Podcast, Stephen. Hi, thanks for thanks for inviting me. Oh, we're so excited to have you on and, and hear all about your, your adventures. So please tell us, how is it you did come to be a writer and effectively, you know, writing the children's and YA genre? Yes, so I've made a living as an author, fortunately, for over 30 years now. Uh, and I started out by reading my poetry in pubs in front of rock audiences. So I would go on in between band. Uh, now, this may seem daunting, but in fact, 200 drunks are a pretty easy audience because they'll laugh at anything. And then the most important thing in my life happened. I had children with my partner. And I discovered that there was a more important audience than 200 drugs. There were my own children. So I started writing books for, for children. And my two boys were really helpful in the first instance in that they'd come home from primary school and they'd tell me about their day, not only because I was their father, but because they knew I'd turn it into a poem. So they gave me everything I needed to know uh, about you know, writing and entering the world of children, if you like. And the other thing, I guess, that kept me going with this was that because I did used to do shows in pubs, I recognised that poetry should be performed. And so I started visiting schools and reading to, um, to children, which has been what I've done for the last 30 years. Oh, that's amazing. I, I'm astounded that you got on between bands to, to you know, read your poetry. That That's quite different, isn't it? You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, it was great fun. And it was a real learning experience in how to uh, respond to an audience. 
and how to present yourself in front of an audience. Yeah. And um, it has stood me in very good stead in front of, you know, uh, 200 year nine boys on a Friday afternoon. Yeah. I know what to say <laughs> and how to, how to work them. Did you have a connection there? You did the your concerts. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, it's interesting that when I would write these poems that my sons had told me about, you know, the events that they told me, I would then read it back to my own children and they'd say, oh, hang on, that's not exactly what we told you, Dad. Uh, and I'd obviously changed it to kind of try and make sense of the important bit that I wanted to say. And so my children and I kind of learnt the idea of poetic license, if you like. And, and it's been quite interesting. And my son has become an author and oh. uh, he, he writes nonfiction books. So he wants to tell the truth. <laughs> yeah, that's fabulous. I absolutely love that. Well, you have had quite a career, you know, 26 books for children and young adults. And obviously you've gone down the traditional publishing route for that. And that's all been well received. Today, we're talking about you being a hybrid author. So you self-publish your cycling travel books through Amazon. Can you tell us how come you chose to go hybrid for that model? Yes, yeah. so about 10 years ago, but should first say that I do love my two traditional publishers. They've been enormously supportive over, you know, my my life as a writer. But about 10 years ago, I wanted to change genres and I just wanted to experiment, if you like. So I decided to marry the two things that I love doing the most apart from writing, which is to ride my bicycle and to travel. So I decided to go to France with my bicycle, ride across the length of France, take lots of notes and then write a book about it. The reason I went hybrid, though, or the reason I went with Amazon is because I wanted to explore the process of being a self-published author. As we all know, Amazon is not only the biggest bookstore in the world, it's also the largest publisher, maybe not the most reputable publisher, but certainly the largest. And so I wanted to explore that process. So I wrote the book and did all the work myself to publish the book as yep. well just so I learned process yeah yeah no that's great so obviously because you you come from traditional publishing background so you're with the University of Queensland Press who's the other publisher you're with uh Ellen and Unwin oh fabulous yeah you know long careers with them uh, when was it you heard about the self-publishing that sparked an interest to go out and do it yourself? Oh, well, I'd, I'd always been, you know, amazed at how Amazon grew so quickly. And so I started investigating it and going on and listening to podcasts such as this and uh, blogs by independent authors. And I started learning the process it was just it was really it's just an experiment and I was pleasantly surprised at how many my first book published uh, that I did publish with Amazon sold I was yeah pleasantly surprised that's great so you're obviously exclusive with Amazon Amazon has sparked interest and just in the ebook formats at the moment yes uh you can buy them on you know get them print, print on demand as well the other thing I liked about the process at the start was that I could charge a very small amount for my my cycle travel ebooks? So uh, you know, to sell them for the price of a cup of coffee was well, it it excited my anarchist bent, shall we say? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that is it's quite a niche market, I suppose, as well. You know, travel cycling. Yeah, I'm not surprised it probably took off. 
Yes, and look, to be honest, I knew my traditional publishers wouldn't really want them. I thought they were interesting adventure tales of, you know, riding 4,000 kilometres across Europe, but perhaps more of a niche market. So Amazon fitted the bill well. The other thing that I wanted to do, though, as as I mentioned, is I wanted to learn how to edit the book myself, how to publish the book, go through the Word document process with Amazon, how to design a cover do all those things myself. So uh, I had one criteria for writing or doing the first book, and that was that I would not pay one cent to anybody. (laughs) (laughs) Now, that's probably because I'm a little bit scungy myself, I agree, (laughs) but it's also because I've always been paid for my writing, and so I still want to be only paid for my writing to be offered fair compensation. So I learned how to do everything myself Uh, not necessarily the best quality perhaps but I think good enough quality for the price um, of the books yeah yeah well that's it that's that's amazing so you obviously did the the cover art yourself the editing and you did the formatting for the print versions as well yes I did and I wouldn't say that they're the 100% perfect uh, but I'm fairly happy with them it also kind of alerted me to just how important or what value adding traditional publishers do give me for free so when I do write a manuscript I send it to my publisher and they assign an editor who works with me for up to a year and I've found that I usually just listen to what that editor says because she's smarter than I am yeah So have you taken what you've learned from your, you know, editorial process in traditional publishing and then you've applied that to the the self-publishing effect? That's right, yes. But I I, I would quickly add that I still don't think I've learned enough. Uh, It's a dirty secret that traditional published authors say uh, won't tell you is that a lot of the work is done by the editor. I hate to say it, but, you know, (laughs) when I've won awards, I've made sure that my editor is in the audience so that they can at least bask in some of the limelight which they so richly deserve. Yeah, yeah, they definitely can make a work and uh, make it better, can't they? <laughs> yes, that's right. And, and it's nice that I'm not having to pay for that, that, you know, the publisher pays for that. That's it. Uh, I think some people talk about traditional publishing and giving it a kind of bad rep, but at the end of the day, you get a really quality product, I think, and some of the teams you work with are just are f- fantastic. Yeah, uh, that's absolutely true. And, uh, you know, because I have experience in both fields, I can see the advantages and the disadvantages of both, of course. But one of that big, one of the big advantages that I've noticed is that ability to be able to get a quality editor who's experienced in my genre or in the genre that I'm writing in. And she, it's always she, she knows more than me. Yeah. So how with the back to the self-publishing, how long did it take you the process to get, you know, to learn what you were doing, get the book out and effectively up for sale? Was it quite a long process uh, or? Too no, long? not really. I, I, the, I found the hardest thing was just learning how to operate a Word document and how to format, format it according to the Amazon meat grinder. Uh, and and once I'd learned that, it was fairly simple. I got my wife to read the books and to help as an editor. She's a reasonably good editor. And so that was it, really. Uh, again, it's not I wouldn't claim it's 100 percent well edited, but I think they are reasonably well done. So it didn't take me that long. And I was so excited by the process. And it was a joy. And I did do a lot of research. I, I was three months riding my bicycle across Europe, taking copious notes. So I had 
you know, I had 50,000 words worth of notes in the first place. Yeah, that's amazing. And now you've got 10 books and, you you know, you said you were surprised that the first one done so well. Now that it, you know, kind of is doing well, do you put more money into the process? Or are you still just doing what you've done from the start? <laughs> nah, it's just you, you and your wife and yeah. No, I still, haven't, I still haven't paid a cent <laughs> to anybody. Well, look, I paid Amazon to send me the um, the draft copy on a paperback version just as an editing uh, aid, if you like. But no, I still do it all myself. Basically, because the book sold so well, the first book, I said to my wife, look, here's an opportunity for us to go to Europe for three months of every year and just ride our bicycles. It's part of my job. And so it was um, a really nice thing to do. And so we would just choose places point A to point B where we'd like to ride between and I'd write a book about it. They had to be relatively exotic to at least make the books appealing. So for example, we rode from, um, in one book, we rode from Marseille on the Mediterranean coast of France to Norway. Wow. So just directly north and then rode around Norway. Another book we rode around Scotland and then south through England and Wales to, and then through France to Spain. So, you know, it, it had to be something that would interest readers. Yeah, that's amazing. So do you give in the books, is it like a story type telling or are you actually giving practical advice on, uh, I guess, breakdowns or weather permitted, (laughs) like stuff like that? It's a bit of everything. So it's a bit of a travel diary. It's about the food and the culture of the country, uh, the people we meet, the things that happen with our bicycles. My wife coined the best phrase for our tours, which is cycling is just an interlude between meals. (laughs) <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. So we tend to eat a lot and we don't put on weight because we're riding our bikes. Our bikes are called Jenny and Craig. So Jenny <laughs> Craig is the greatest weight loss program known to man. That's two bicycles. Oh, I love that. I think that's awesome. <laughs> so are you the keen cyclist or is, is and you and your wife's kind of got on board here or is she she's a cyclist at heart as well? She was keen once she learned that she could have three months in Europe, shall yeah. we say. <laughs> uh, but she's always ridden a little bit, but I'm the keen yeah. cyclist. But we're not professionals in any way it's just a matter of riding 50 to 100 kilometers a day every day for three months and you you can really ride a long way yeah well it sounds like you guys are having the time of your life you've tapped into obviously a passion and an interest in that market you know you self-published the books yourself you've did everything you've put it up there did you actually do any marketing or anything for the books with amazon or anything like that did you learn that process or not again that would require that i pay amazon some money i think (laughs) and so i'm not gonna do it (laughs) i'm getting a bad reputation here no no. i find it really interesting actually because what's hard i find about writing is there's so much conflicting information out there because everybody's I personally hate the word journey so I always say adventure everybody's author adventures are different no one I've met is the same so it's effectively what works for one doesn't always work for the other and uh, I've had people come on and they're like you know treat this like a business plow as much money into it as possible and you expect to run negative things like that I suppose your experience is different because you are earning a living from your writing you do you have credibility I guess as well you know how to write a book so it's a bit different, but uh, I yeah. love love that you're sort of like, nah, you know, you're, you're not putting any money in this. You just, but you, but you are adding value by putting the books out there because I've read your books, children's, but your writing's fabulous. So yeah, thank you. Yeah, look, I I, I don't claim that my uh, way of doing things is the best way for everyone. It just is for me, and I guess I look at value adding for myself. So 
uh, with the ebooks about cycle travel. I also now do talks in libraries about traveling in Europe with a bicycle. And so that's just another way, not of so much promoting the books, although it does do that, obviously, but about adding value to my job as an author. Yeah. Uh, I always um, see myself as being both a performer, public author, and uh, a physical author in the sense that I write books. And there is a lot, a lot that's happened in the last 20 years, I've noticed, of my career, where it's demanding, it seems to be demanding of me that I have a big media and social media profile. And I don't. I don't. And I make a living from it without that. Now, that just probably means I'm an old man, really. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't, I don't believe uh, in my case, and only in my case, that I have to have all the, uh, what's the word, the adornments, if you like, mm. of being an author, of having a big social media presence and being out there in, in the internet, in the big wide web. Uh, I'm not that interested in it. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I'd, rather stand up, I'd rather stand up in front of 200 year nine boys, to be honest. Yeah. Okay. So th for you, it's working that the books, uh, the you know, your books are working for you pretty much. And then you're going out to effectively promote them in, in, as a public speaker rather than, I guess, online. In the yes, that's media. right. I, and and I, I often think that all the, the hard work I've done, which is where I travel around the country and overseas doing audience, uh, doing shows in front of a variety of audiences. So I'm, I kind of think of myself as being, I don't know, the cold chisel of children's poetry <laughs> in that in that cold chisel would just tour endlessly doing shows in pubs and that sold their records. Yeah. Uh, I'm an author who tours endlessly and it helps sell my books in schools and related and you know the ebooks through my library shows yeah no my that's that's great that you know you feel comfortable doing that i think like some authors are a bit like Ooh. they hate that part of it but it's good yes, that, yeah. that you enjoy it how did you fare when covid struck uh, over there was was <laughs> <laughs> just if you yeah. love it did you go online was it more online stuff oh yeah covid struck it i mean it struck at a bad time for everyone but i had festivals lined up in Germany and the Ukraine, would you believe? And I was ready to go to Europe again to do all, all those festivals and ride my bike. And suddenly we were shut down. It was a good thing because it meant, well, bad thing, but it was a good thing for me in the sense that it meant I wrote uh, a couple more books because I was locked in my study. Yeah. And I did lots of school shows on Zoom. I can't say I enjoyed it as much, yeah. uh, but it taught me a new process. And, you know, that was a good thing. Uh, but I'm really glad to be back in schools now, uh, yeah. I've got to say. Yeah. And we've already been overseas for three months this year doing uh, another bike ride. Wow, that's amazing. So I take it you do one bike ride a year, so that is the equivalent of like one ebook. And how many children's fiction do you do a year? How many books effectively do you put out in a year for both Yeah, brands? so I'll do I'll do one bike ride a year. And I'll, I used to do one children's book a year. Now it's probably one every two years. Right. Uh, so I'm in in the process of going through the final editing stages uh, of my next young adult book uh, with my publisher, which hopefully will be out next year. The cycling ebook may be a little while longer. I'm just too busy with uh, school shows at the moment because of the backlog caused by by COVID. Yeah, that's it. When you do do these talks at libraries for your cycling books, who's the people that come along? Is it the, the older generation? I'm just interested. Yeah, who who reads the ebooks? I suppose. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and that's the interesting thing in that when, as I said, when, when I first published the first ebook, I quickly discovered that as opposed to my traditional publishing books where the majority of the books were bought within Australia and were bought as physical books, I found that my audience for the e-books was pretty well, and I'm being a bit rough with the, the uh, estimates here, but it was about 60% the UK, 30% America, and 10% Australia. Now, that's changed over time. It's a little bit more in Australia now, but I suddenly found I had an overseas audience, which I could reach really quickly, uh, because I guess, and I think it was because there was a lot of adults in the UK who wanted to go to France to ride their bike and so it was both husbands and wives buying books to try and convince their partner to go with them <laughs> because my wife went with me so why don't you come with me to yeah it? so yeah so I had a suddenly the ebook being a hybrid author gave me a whole new audience mm. which I could never dream of having before I've had uh, emails from so many people all over the world saying look we read your book about cycling in Japan and we went there and followed your uh, your path for oh example. that's amazing that's really incredible I mean you're, you're absolutely you're talking me and I'm telling you <laughs> and my heart's been tonight I'll be like right we're going to France for the bike you'll be like <laughs> so and the, the, the interesting thing is though probably as well you know cyclists they're not going to want to carry a book around I guess in their backpack when they're doing these cycle trails so they can read their ebooks on their phones as they go absolutely yeah ebooks are, are amazing like that and I, I I'm, it's still interesting though that I've found that in traditional publishing I'm still selling again I'm being rough here about 90 even 95 percent paperback books versus ebooks the exact opposite is true of my cycling travel ebooks so That's i don't know what that means I, I maybe i'm most of my children's books are bought by libraries and school libraries and educational institutions so they want a paperback still yeah i've heard that the younger generation a because it's adults that are buying for them and they'll be more inclined to buy the print versions over uh, the screen yes. because kids are on screens all the time but then I, I heard something from someone else saying that kids are saying the same thing that they're on the screens all the time so they still like a physical book as well mm. maybe not teens but yeah no it's interesting when you are yeah. on your cycle travels do you still do public speaking on those journeys or not it's solely like a research trip and you're just more focused uh, on that no, no I, I visit uh, international schools uh, and occasionally do festivals and the last trip which we've just got back from I did an author talk in Hanover where the theatre there are putting on one of my books uh, as a play and so it was really nice to and well they had put on one of my books as play and it had been successful so they had me to talk about that which was really lovely uh, really yeah, wonderful that's incredible uh, yeah that was one of the highlights of the trip I've got to say yeah oh well I cannot I'm kind of wait to get stuck into these cycling books <laughs> <laughs> As I said, I've read the children's fiction. So, uh, you know, you've, you've had this in, in, incredible time. I mean, what are your tips for authors looking to go hybrid? Oh, yeah, look. If any. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I guess to me, the most important thing is to, if it's nonfiction or something like what I, I've written with mine, is do your research and edit and edit over and over again. And don't only edit on the screen, print it out. It's amazing what the printed word, it does look different. And that's why I said earlier where I, I get Amazon to send me the draft of the, you know, the uh, proof copy of the first book, uh, just so I could look at it in book form first. I didn't like giving Amazon $25 or whatever it was for that, but I did. And it was valuable because it's a good editing tool. My son, as I mentioned, has become an author, has said, he says, I taught him to write. That's not true. I taught him to edit. 
and editing is the most important thing. And sure, you can get somebody else to edit it, certainly get other people to read it. The best tip I think I can tell anyone about being a writer is use full stops. Don't <laughs> write very, very long sentences. It's only a few authors can get away with it. It's not worth it. Just use a yeah. full stop. <laughs> <laughs> full stop is your friend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so if they haven't had, like yourself, you, you know, you're used to working with editors, you kind of understand the process and what they do and what they look for. If it was somebody who hasn't, say they're just starting out, they haven't had that process, would you, rec even though they are editing their own work, would you recommend that they do work with a professional editor or you think uh, yeah look I guess so if you can find a professional editor who understands the genre that you're working in I think that's important and there are two types of edits you've got to look at you've got to look at firstly the structural edit and then the copy edit they're different things so know what you're hiring that person for uh, whether it be a structural edit or just a simple copy edit I think that's important I have no experience in this field in terms of hiring anybody as I said I, I don't pay people <laughs> um, so, so I don't know I always hate the structural edit I've got to say from my publisher that I've written this book or manuscript that I think is great and they come back and say well look that's got to, you've got to change the whole bulk of that narrative <laughs> and turn it around you know and I oh, you mean I've got to do this all over again mm -hmm. but I listen to them yeah, fair enough. So your covers for the, the cycling ebooks, are they like pictures of your travels? Photographs? Yes. So yep. It is easy for me to do a cover in that they are always photos, the best photo of the trip. And uh, look, the best tip I reckon that I've ever learned from doing a cover is make sure you put something down the bottom underneath your name, which I've done, award-winning author of By the River or something right. like that. Yeah, uh, yeah. This gives that extra credibility. I'm lucky I can do that, of course, but it does help. I, I noticed first-time authors in traditional publishing now, what happens is the publisher gets a reputable author to give a one-line quote yeah. so they can put that reputable author's name on the front cover as well. So you could easily try that as well. That yeah. would be a, a really That's smart tip. That's amazing. And do you, so do you, your traditional publishing houses, do they know that you self-publish these books by yourself? You, you haven't even yes. you haven't tried to pitch to them about it? No, no, I, I've never even considered pitching to them because, as I say, I did want to learn the process. Yeah. And I did enjoy the process a lot. It's a bit of a rabbit hole, I've got to say. You can get down, but it's an interesting rabbit hole. And, yeah, I really did enjoy it and my my traditional publisher didn't care really yeah. it wasn't their genre they don't publish that genre at all no uh, so they, they weren't interested anyway i think you hear a lot of self-publishing people they put it out themselves because they tend to have written something that they can't really place in the traditional market out there you know it's a mix of like a lot of different things so it's kind of like there is people that like to read that but maybe from from a traditional sense they don't know how to market that yes I, i've got to say i'm not sure about you know as i mentioned earlier about the social mm -hmm. media stuff and the marketing it was the fact that 20 years ago when i had a book out i would talk to the publicity department at the at my publisher and they do all the work for me they you know they just try and plug the book and book me into festivals which they still do which is nice nowadays they get back to me and say can you write a blog or can you write an article for the guardian to publicize your book to which I want to say, I thought that's what you were getting paid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I can't because they're the ones that are paying me after all. It has changed. I, I'm more critical of traditional publishers, publicity departments than I am of their editorial department. Shall we say yeah. that? 
Yeah, I know. I, I spoke to a gentleman um, who's traditionally published his first book and with a traditional publisher, but they don't provide marketing at all. He's actually forked out to pay a publicist to market his book around, like, and it was quite a fair chunk. And I, I thought, whoa, <laughs> okay. Yeah, I know. I, I mean, you know, there has been many studies done about, there was one done recently about how much authors earn per annum. And I think the result was, and they, it was a huge survey, uh, and I think the result was $12,000 per annum. Mm-hmm. So to be earning that little amount and then having to pay a publicity person to publicize you earning twelve thousand dollars is a bit of a zero-sum game yeah i i don't know where that ends another good thing of course about traditional publishers though i did just mention is that they have a bit of clout in booking you into festivals and they also have clout in getting your book in front of award committees yes got one book in particular where i've won i think it's adding up to about sixty thousand dollars in award prize money which I couldn't which my travel ebooks are never going to win do you think off the back of those all like you've had so many awards off the back of that and saying putting that forward like you said for your cycling books award-winning author you reckon that probably adds to their sales you able to sell because you're an award-winning author you got that leg up no I don't know why anyone buys book I, I suspect it is because they want to go to France themselves but hope it gives it a little bit more credibility if that's the word I don't know it's a fraught idea you know in terms of how much money you should spend to make money you know there is that old adage that you've got to spend money to make money i've never spent any of it. <laughs> <laughs> i know and i love that i do i don't think it'll work for everyone though <laughs> <laughs> no it doesn't it doesn't i know i know maybe i'm scottish or something i shouldn't say that's, that's probably racist isn't it but anyway. no no i was born here but grew up there hence the accent <laughs> but yeah I, I know a few penny pinchers <laughs> Yes, yes. Yeah. Let's just say I'm a penny pincher, okay? But... I do I do love that this has all worked out well for you and that, you know, you haven't spent a penny or anything and it's still sold like that just makes me happy anyway because it is a dream author story, really. But mm-hmm. it just also gives credibility to your you and your work because it is good. So, you know, that's effectively why it sells. Yeah, I, I think it was because, you know, when I was 18, I wrote poetry and the first poem I ever sent off to a magazine got published and they paid me five dollars for it <laughs> now you know five dollars is That's a lot, lot of yeah money. but it was just the idea that somebody would pay me for something for doing something I love doing that kept me on about it too you know I thought okay so this is a a, a, a usual sort of job that you should get paid for. And my son, Joe, has done exactly the same. He only writes what he gets paid for. And, you know, he's made a living from it as well. And he's he won two years ago, his book won the Queensland Premier's Literary Award, oh, uh, which was, yeah, the proudest moment of my writing life, I've got to say, a book I didn't write. <laughs> oh, yeah, I love that. I think that's absolutely gorgeous. No, well, uh, you know, you, you've, you've got all the children's fiction going and the cycling travel fiction. What else can we expect from or what can we expect from Stephen's, your hybrid publishing career in the future? Uh, I, I Look, I don't know. I suspect there'll come a time when my traditional publisher will say, you're an old man, we don't want you anymore. Uh, and if that's the case, I will just self-publish. Lean across <laughs> the, uh, I'll self-publish, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to stop writing because the traditional publisher says we don't want you anymore. But thankfully, they haven't said that yet, but the time will come and I'm preparing for it. 
and I'll just publish my children's books by self-publishing. Oh, fantastic. That's great. Well, I would hope that wouldn't be the case. Hopefully they just are interested in the story. (laughs) (laughs) Fingers crossed. (laughs) that's it well thank you so much for talking to us today Stephen it's been absolutely wonderful hearing all about you know your expertise and just everything it's been great so can you tell our listeners where can they discover your books uh you know and yourself on and offline yeah so uh you can buy my travel book on Amazon of course and also my children's and YA books on Amazon and also just from you know decent bookstores uh, and I also have a very, very, very old-fashioned website, which I didn't pay any money for, <laughs> and it looks pretty bad, but you can link with me there if you want to. And, I, uh, and I'm coming to uh, Western Australia next year to do a schools tour, so I'll probably try and get a show in the local Perth Library, hopefully. Uh, to talk about my cycle travel ebooks. Definitely come see you for that, for sure. That'd be great. <laughs> well, thanks again, Stephen. That was wonderful. Thank you. Bye. So there you have it, folks, the sensational Stephen Herrick. If you haven't read any of Stephen's books before, go and check them out now. All links in the show notes. I particularly loved his How to Repaint a Life book, fiction book, YA book, sorry, this year and loved it. Yeah, and even his cycling travel books as well, if you're thinking of having a different holiday. I'm quite interested. I haven't read them, but I think I'm going to pick them up and see. I think it sounds really, really fantastic. So next time on the Hybrid Offer podcast, this is where I would share who's coming on. But it's quite a special episode because we hit episode 50. 50 episodes. I'm absolutely blown away that I have created 50 episodes of the Hybrid Author podcast and interviewed 50 people. It just blows my mind, that number. It might not be big to some, but it's huge to me. And I'm celebrating by having on an absolute idol of mine. And probably the reason the podcast came into fruition, their expertise and encouragement and creativity and all the work that they've done for over a decade has inspired me to, you know, start what I have started. So I'm not going to say anymore. I'm going to share stuff on social media for the rest of the week and see if you can guess who it might be. Now, a couple of regular listeners, I think there's about three of them, who are good friends of mine as well. You know who you are. You know, you probably know who I'm talking about. So if refrain from guessing, but uh, anybody else wants to take a stab, that would be great. So I wish you well in your author adventure this next week. That's it from me. Bye for now. That's the end for now, authors. I hope you are further forward in your author adventure after listening, and I hope you'll listen next time. Remember to head on over to the Hybrid Author website at www.hybridauthor.com.au to get your free author pass. It's bye for now.